Turn with me to Colossians 2. Colossians 2, verses 20 through 23. Last week we looked at verses 16 through 19 and Paul's really attack on legalism. And he continues that. And, and I think for many of us, if we think, okay, another, another sermon about that, I think we misunderstand really the effects and really the propensity that we have towards legalism. The propensity that you and I have towards being content with mere externals. The, the content that you and I have and really the, the, it really goes to show our hearts in the sense of, of that we really, that Christ has many rivals in our lives as we've been seeing. And ever since, ever since Adam and Eve sinned, even, even, even our misunderstanding of the power of sin and the depth in which sin affects us and our propensity to sin and, and our lack of ability to truly fight sin on our own. Paul, ever since Adam and Eve sinned, the problem of controlling our sinful desires, our sin nature, if you will, has, has plagued us. Whatever you call it, the flesh, indwelling sin, the temptation. It's a, it's a battle that every single one of us, if we're honest, it's a battle we all face. And, and even as a Christian, I think that we as Christians find the battle more real than ever because the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin. As a non-believer, there, the, there was some general conviction, but there wasn't the Holy Spirit, you know, the, the Holy Spirit touching on, on even motives. You know, I find sometimes where I'll do the right thing externally, and yet the Holy Spirit will convict me of my motive, of why I'm doing it. I, I, don't, remember, I don't remember thinking about that as a non-believer. It was all externals. And, and it, goes to the, it goes to the propensity and, and the depth. It speaks to the propensity and the depth of our sin and how all of us are so tempted, especially living in, a, again, as we saw last week, a culture that, that has been built on, historically, if you will, on Judeo-Christian beliefs, a general understanding or agreement of, of right and wrong. There is a subtle temptation for all of us to exchange or, or mistake moralism for Christianity. To mistake externals for real worship of God that flows out of a heart of love. We're very good, let's be honest, we're very good at playing the part. We can be very good at acting. We can be very good... At, at doing what we know we need to do. Yesterday, and, and I don't bring this up for any reason, forgive me, but yesterday I found myself in a room and I was the only Seminole in a fan. Uh, there was a room of 20 Gator fans and I was the only Seminole fan watching a game. And, and I thought about this sermon today because I, I couldn't, I played the part. I was not running around cheering. There was more of them than me. You know, I, I, I played the part. I, I, all externals, but yet inwardly, I wasn't inwardly, my inwards did not at all line up with what my externals were showing. I was playing a part. I, I was masquerading, if you will, of almost not really being interested in the game or not really caring what the score was or not really getting it exciting because, because I, it just wasn't proper. It was what I deemed would get me out alive. I wanted to come home. I wanted to see my wife and kids. That was not how I wanted it to end. And I knew going in that was going to be the case, but I, but I went. And, and, and what they saw was not, the, was not the real Chris, if you will. It was a version. I mean, my heart wanted to jump out and my heart wanted to scream and all these things, but I, but I played the part. And, and I think all of us, if we're honest, we're, we're, we're very good at mistaking moralism with a real heart that beats for God. 
of, of, of doing the easy things of Christianity that quite honestly in, in a Judeo-Christian culture probably come natural whether you're a follower of Christ or not. And there ends up being very little difference between our lives and other people's lives. And, and, and that's where Christianity, that's, honestly, that's why many people feel like Christianity can be a, a burden or, or exhausting because you're trying, to, you're trying to imitate God in the flesh instead of allowing the Holy Spirit inside of you to imitate God because God is very good at imitating God. He's very good at, do, at being Himself. Chris Basham in the flesh, not real good at imitating God. And yet, in my sinful flesh, I... I, I can be so void of the word and starved of the word and of real power, but yet I, I'm, it's kind of like Moses who came off the mountain. Eventually his face, began, the glow began to go away. And when he covered his face, he didn't want people to know. And some of us have starved ourselves for the word. Some of us have starved ourselves for the real power and fuel towards Christianity, the real heart behind Christianity, and it's to the point where we don't want others to know, and so we just we can act the part. And we do it with externals. We start performing, we start pretending with externals. Sometimes these externals, and in the case of the Pharisees, the externals may have been motivated originally by a good thing. They wanted to protect people from breaking the law, from transgressing the Mosaic law. They wanted to protect that. It was, it was originally, it was good. That was a good motivation. The problem is they began making up their own rules to do that, and they elevated their rules to a par level with Scripture. And to break their rules became paramount to breaking Scripture. And I think if we were honest, all of us probably have rules in our lives that we've elevated for ourselves or others. We've elevated to a par level, or if not par, pretty, pretty close to Scripture. I, just the other day, I had a guy email me, he, he texted me and said, hey, where is this in Scripture? It's a very common saying. And I had to, I had to like, I had to, okay, how am I going to word this back? It's not in Scripture. The saying that it's not in Scripture. Very popular Scripture. Or a very popular saying, not just popular Scripture. But, but it's one of those things where we've elevated, it was one of those instances in our lives where we've elevated our own rules, our own sayings, our own theology on par with biblical theology. And again, th th that's the setting that Paul, really that Paul was attacking. And for instance, the Mosaic Law, keep the Sabbath holy. Very clear in the Ten Commandments, keep the Sabbath holy. Good, good, the, the Pharisees... Again, what does that mean? What does that look like? Can I do this? Can't I do this? Can I do this? Can't I do that? So what the Pharisees did is they came up with their own rules in what that looked like. And so, for instance, they had a rule that explicitly stated how many steps you could take on the Sabbath before it counted as work. And they held men to that standard. They created rules that said, hey, this is how many letters, if you're writing a letter, this is how many letters you can write on the Sabbath before it becomes work. And they begin over time elevating those rules to a par level with Scripture in order to, in their eyes, not break the Sabbath. Man's rules became paramount, became par to Scripture. And there was no heart behind it. It's externals. And, and because of sin, because of a lack of discipline, they built a hedge around the law to protect the law. The problem was they were man-centered laws and they lacked true authority. They lacked true ability to curb sin. L listen, this is what Paul is getting at. Verse 20, if you've died with Christ to the elementary principles of the world, why, as if you were living in the world, do you submit yourself to decrees such as do not handle, do not taste, do not touch? which all refer to things destined to perish with use in accordance with the commandments and teachings of men. These are matters which have to be sure the appearance of wisdom in self-made religion and self-abasement and severe treatment of the body. But here's the problem. They are no value against fleshly indulgence. 
That, that's the problem with these man-made rules is they don't do anything to defeat sin. The reality is if you go to Romans 7, Paul would say all it does is incite my flesh to sin more. That's the problem with, the, with legalism and, and, and these, all these external rules is they never deal with the heart. And my fear is so many of us have settled for mere externals, settled for what we can supposedly do in our own flesh, and we've settled for that version of Christianity instead of really pursuing a God and allowing the Holy Spirit to be fueled and controlled and live through us. That's Christianity. It's, the Holy, it's God through the Holy Spirit living through us, producing our obedience, producing the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5. That's Christianity, not what Chris can mimic in his own flesh in God. It's filling myself up with the Word of God. We'll see it in Colossians 3.16. Let the Word of God richly dwell within you. Whatever dwells in you richly controls you. It's, it's filling ourselves up with the Word of God, and then God Himself, through the Spirit, lives through us. That's Christianity. Not me mimicking it into my own strength. And, and all of these external rules, all of these, all of these traditions that they elevated, they could not curb sin. And, and beyond that, it missed the heart of the law. It missed God Himself. It was all about externals and, and nothing about one's heart. Their obedience was sourced in their own strength. It was sourced in their own wisdom. It was a man-centered, man-glorifying thing instead of a God-centered, God-glorifying thing. And Paul, here in two verses 20 through 23 exposes that he exposes it and i, I want to draw out some of what paul says here and, and just the flaws behind man-made rules uh, that have the appearance of wisdom he says because ultimately listen ultimately they don't deal with this the, they don't deal with the heart they don't deal with our sin they're powerless to deal with sin and I don't want us to settle for a version of Christianity. I want us to go for the real thing. I don't want us to be duped, deceived by Satan into thinking that our moralism is Christianity. I don't want us to be duped into, into thinking that, that our ability to please God in our own rights is Christianity. I don't want us to settle for any of these substitutes. Because Satan masquerades, 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, it says, Satan masquerades as an angel of light. Why? To deceive. The greatest deception, the greatest deception is for him to get you to think that you're something or someone that you're not. For you to settle for a version of Christianity instead of the real thing. And, and, and I don't want any of us in here to miss out on the beauty of the real thing. And the main point, main point, you see it on the handout, intimacy with God and the defeat of sin are not matters of outward conformity to religious rituals, but rather from a new heart that is preoccupied, preoccupied with Christ more than anything else in this world. Can, can you say today that you are preoccupied with Christ? Can you say today that you're preoccupied with the things of Christ more than anything else in this world? That, that's where the real power to defeat sin comes from. You think about it even in the case of marriage. You know the best way to avoid an affair is? Be preoccupied with your wife. Be so satisfied with your wife, there's, there's nothing else that nobody else can offer you. Agreed? Preoccupied. It's the same here preoccupied with Christ. And Paul builds this in his text. Look at verse 20. If you've died with Christ to the elemental principles of the world, why, as if you were living in the world, do you submit yourself to decrees such as do not handle, do not taste, do not touch? Look, you'll see it on your handout. Number one, real power to defeat sin is found as believers focus on who they are in Christ and not on the powers and the things of this world. The, the question Paul asks there, if you have died with Christ, in the Greek, it's a rhetorical question, but in the Greek, it implies certainty, not doubt. These are believers he's writing to. And at the same time, Paul is inviting you to consider the question, have I died with Christ? 
Have I, am I, have I died to self and do I live to Christ? Look, look at verse, chapter 3, verse 1. He says the same thing. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above. Look, you, you as a believer have been identified with Christ in his death, his burial, his resurrection. And Paul is asking the question, if you've truly done that, why are you going back to the elemental principles of the world? Why are you going back to your old self? Why are you going back to that which was powerless to, to save you, powerless to defeat your sin, powerless to forgive your sin? Now, why as a believer, why are you going back there? You couldn't perform your way in. Why do you think you're going to perform your way to stay? It's all through God and His grace. The Old Testament, the whole goal, Galatians 3.24, the law was a tutor to lead you to Christ. He goes on in chapter 4 to say, now that you have, he, he, he calls it really a pedagogos, a trainer, a teacher. In that day, they would take their children and they would put them under the tutelage of another individual. That individual would raise them up and when they became mature, the father would hand the business or the family business to that child. He's saying, that was the tutor, you don't need the tutor anymore. You have Christ. Why are you going back to the tutor? Understand who you are in Christ. As believers, you'll see it on your handout, we enjoy the benefits that Christ has won in His death and resurrection because of our union with Him. And Christ is our power and source of intimacy with God. It's not our flesh. Our power lies in union. That's John 15. Abide in me and my words abide in you. And, and you, because he, he says why? Apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Nothing. Listen, you can accomplish great things in the flesh on your own. But from a spiritual power enduring of real value and worth, apart from Christ, believer, you can do nothing. Don't be fooled into thinking otherwise. We can do a lot of stuff in the flesh, but, but the, spiritual, the spiritual value and the worth and the longevity, it's, it's, it's all flesh. It's, va it's, it's nothing compared to what you can do abiding in Christ. His word, he says, if, my wor if I abide in you and my word, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, it's power. And, and again, Paul's day, people lived in the fear of worldly forces, and, and, and they thought to all these gods, and they, thought, they sought to live in peace with those, and really they were in doing that, they were living in bondage when they had been set free. Paul is saying the same thing. You've been, you've, you, Christ has conquered these. Sin is conquered. Death conquered. Flesh. Con Why are you going back to those things? As if, if there were no power. And, and the, the, what Paul is saying is sin and its source is what needs to be dealt with. Not, not, not just putting a bunch of rules. Not, not just the avoidance of the action. There's a heart behind the action that needs to be dealt with. And he's saying, look at what Christ accomplished and who you are as a believer and live in light of that fact. Live out who you are in Christ in the power of Christ. And you see it on your handout, worldly self-discipline seeks to conquer the flesh through what man can accomplish, whereas godly self-discipline is centered on what God has accomplished for us through Christ. It's not that we're not to exhibit self-discipline. It's not that we're not to exhibit self-control. It's not that, that we don't have any rules or whatever to follow, but the source of the power to follow and the motivation is what he's talking about. In 1 Corinthians 9, 27, Paul says, I discipline my body, why? To make it my slave. In 2 Timothy 2, 3, he says, Timothy, endure hardship as a good soldier of Christ. But at the same time, self-control, Galatians 5, 23, is a fruit of the who? The Spirit. It's a fruit of the Spirit. And, and again, 1 Timothy 4, 7 is, is, is an amazing verse, one of my favorites. He says, have nothing to do with worldly fables, fit only for old women. I'll let somebody else discern that one. Here's where I'm going. On the other hand, listen, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. All motivated by what God has done. 
our union with Christ. Discipline ourselves to, to, in that sense, work out our salvation with fear and trembling, to work out who we are in Christ, to bring what's on the inside to the outside. But we only do that by focusing on Christ, not by rules, not by making a bunch of rules. It's not through do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. It's through a heart. I mean, even again in marriage, there's so many... Karen can make a whole bunch of rules that say, Chris, you got to do dot, 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 dot. Or I could just fall in love with Karen. And, and what do you think she'd be most glorified through? A husband who just simply falls in love with her and, and lives in the overflow of loving her? Or a husband that just follows a bunch of rules so she'll stay off his back? That's the approach. One is focused on self, me. The other is focused on my wife. External rule keeping is focused on self. Abiding in Christ and living in overflow of that is focused on God and the glory of God. Two totally different approaches. Focus. Focus on what, who you are. Focus on what Christ has done. But he goes on to say, number two, real power to defeat sin is in remembering that this world is not our home. And as such, we do not take our cues from this world. He says that as if you were living in the world. We do not live according to the wisdom and philosophies that guide our lives in this world. The world doesn't dictate. Again, believers, you see it on your handout, do not belong. Belong is the word to this world and thus do not live according to its standards. We're, we're a new creation. Paul deals with this almost same phrases in Romans 6, 8, 8 through 14. Listen to what he says and the implications. If we have died with Christ, same phrase, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. For the life he lives, he lives to God. Even so, he's saying the same way, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ. Therefore, listen, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you obey its lusts. Do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Even under grace, there's discipline. Don't go on presenting yourselves to sin. You, don't, you have power to not do that. You died to that. Same statement Paul makes in Colossians 2.20, you have died with Christ. In Romans 7, he, com he compares Christ having to die to break us free from the law to, to death breaking the bonds of marriage. He freed us from that. You're free from that. If I die, listen, Karen is free to marry whoever she wants. And, and he parallels that with Christ having died to set you and I free from the law to be joined to someone greater, him, namely himself. Even in Philippians chapter 3, listen to what it says, verse 17. Brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. For many walk of whom I have told you and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, and whose glory is their shame who set, their, who set their minds on earthly things. Listen, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of His glory by the exertion of His power that He, that he has even to subject all things to Himself. Our citizenship is not of this world. We don't follow the patterns and the ways of this world. And, and that's what I was thinking about yesterday. I was, I was sitting there and, and there were a lot of people around me doing a lot of things that, that I just don't do. And I was thinking about this verse. They're, they're not my pattern. I don't take my cues from them. I don't allow them to determine for me what's permissible or not. I take my cues from my master, my savior, my lord, my king. That's who I take my cues from. I, I, I go to the fact that I am his and he is mine, and in him I am a new creation. I have been rescued 
from the domain of darkness into the king of light. Okay, how do I live as a kingdom of light? By filling myself with the word, by surrendering my life to him and allowing him to live through me. And in that, he gets great glory. Not in me and my flesh trying to imitate him, allowing him to imitate himself through me. And, and you do that how? By the word of God richly dwelling in you. Again, Jesus said this if, in John 15. I said, if my words abide in you, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, great power, for apart from me you can do... No, and I, and I, would, I, I, I have this... If you ask me the one problem face that, that plagues Christianity more than anything, if I was honest, it's this. We are starved as a people of God's word. I mean, if I asked us this, if I just did not, I won't do this, but if I said, how many of us read our Bibles five times this week, seriously dug into the word like we had to have it in order to live, how many of us would raise our hand? I would bet statistics say 80 to 90% of Christians rarely ever open their Bibles. If you starved yourself of food, how much power would you have? How strong would Akeem be this Saturday in the playoff game if he starved himself all week of food and he went out there to play safety at linebacker? How well would he do? Not well. Zero power. And listen, we're full of a lot of things. We're full, but not of God's Word. And we're powerless. We're, we're wimpy. We, we can't stand up to Satan's schemes. We don't even know how to discern his schemes. Why? Because the, the word of God does not richly dwell in us. Be, just be honest. Be honest. We think we can live the Christian life on our own. And you know why I know that? Because we don't read the word. We don't pray. Sunday mornings are optional. Why? Because we think we're okay. It's again, it's self. It's self. And when we come here, God, we have this attitude that God ought to be, you see I'm here, God ought to be happy I'm here. Are, you, are we serious? Seriously. And, and then we, we relegate our lives to just external rules, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Here's why we need those rules is because we're so starved we can't discern for ourselves and our kids can't discern for ourselves. So how do we do it? We put all these rules around them to protect them, to make them look holy because the word of God is so starved in them. They're not able to be holy through the power of God in them. So we, they need a bunch of rules like infants. Infants, what do infants do? They need a lot of rules, agreed? A lot of rules. But as they mature, our kids hopefully are able to discern for themselves. You know what? I shouldn't put that in my mouth and swallow it because it will choke me. And, and all throughout the scriptures, again, the number one problem plaguing Christianity, it's infancy in Christ. It's immaturity in Christ. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, I could not come to you as spiritual men, but as to infants of Christ. I could not come to you with the meat of the word. I had to come to you with milk. Hebrews 5, he says, whoever wrote Hebrews says the same thing. I could not come to you as spiritual men. I had to come to you with the elemental things. Elemental things. The basics is all we could talk about. And, and, and part of the reason why we, need, why we love these rules and rely on these rules is because we're so infantile. We need a lot of rules to help us out. Because the Word of God isn't rich and dwelling in us. And, and again, even Romans 12, 3, he says that you'll discern what the will of God is, that which is good and perfect, that will of God. Why? Through being not conformed to this world, but transformed how? By the renewing of your mind. So then you will prove what the will of God is. That we'll enter into situations and we'll know because the Word of God is dwelling in us, we can discern, I shouldn't do that or I should do that. I can do that or I can't. We'll discern that, not rules. They're powerless. And again, what Paul is getting, and, and we elevate these rules to the Word of God when really they're, they're crutches for our immaturity. And Paul says it in verse 22, they're destined to perish. They're teachings of mere men. 
And that's what he gets at in verses 21 through 23, and you'll see it number three on your handout. External rules do not bring about true transformation of the heart of the sinner, and as such are powerless to defeat sin. External rules will not change your heart. I can rule my kids to death, and they can look obedient, and they can look godly, and they never change their heart. And every single one of us, if we're honest, and this is probably not the message that you woke up, you're, you're not thankful for this message, I can promise you that. But we lack discipline. And, and we need, and we would all admit that we desperately need, our lives lack the discipline and the power that they were meant to have. And instead of the hard work of coming to the Word and discipline ourselves to eat of the Word, we just look for an easy fix. Well, I'll just do this or do that or rules. And again, the power to defeat sin and live for God is not found in what you can do, but what God has done for you through Christ and what He's now doing in you through the Spirit. Not rules. And, and godly, you see in your handout, godly self-discipline is to renounce control of my life and give that control willingly to Christ. Not simply live according to a bunch of rules according to my power. Not simply in my own flesh. Listen, whether I was a Christian or not, I would bet that outwardly it would look like I would obey a lot of the Ten Commandments. Whether I was a Christian or not. That's not Christianity. And, and again, I would be doing that in my own power. Again, not Christianity. The world operates on the person's willpower. And, and the world says, well, you just need to discipline yourselves and try harder, and you bring, that, you bring that flesh under your control. How's that working for you? Not, it's not good. Because here's what I've learned in my own life, and maybe I'm the only one. My flesh has a hard time crucifying my flesh. You know what my flesh is really good at? Gratifying my flesh. My flesh loves to gratify my flesh. My flesh is never going to say, Chris... You ought to die to self and you ought to live for somebody else. No, my flesh is going to say they ought to die to themselves. They ought to live to me. But you know what the spirit inside of me says? Die to daily. Die to self daily. By the spirit it says you will put to death the what? Desires of the flesh. Romans 8, 12. Walk by the spirit and you will what? Not gratify the desires of the flesh. Galatians 5, 16. Walk by the spirit and you will crucify the desires of the flesh. It's the spirit. Christianity is, is, again, me yielding my life to the Spirit living through me. And, and again, we see it everywhere. We, we can't handle money rightly. We can't handle things rightly. We can't handle sex rightly. And so to aid us, what we tend to do, especially with our kids, is we label these things bad so they'll just stay away from them. And, and look, that's totally unbiblical. And instead of taking the time to nurture them in a heart for God and a heart where they can handle those things rightly, we just say, well, just stay away from them. Well, that'll, that'll work good while they're under their roof until they're out of your roof. The reality is, is the Word says nothing God's created is bad. It's how, we, it's how we use it that's bad. Sex is real bad outside the bounds of marriage, but guess what? It's real good inside the bounds of marriage. It's real destructive outside the bounds of marriage. Keep it the way God designed it. It does exactly what God intended for it to do. Money. Handle money rightly. Again, 1 Timothy 6. He's given us all things to what? Enjoy. When we steward them rightly, we can enjoy them. The problem is we don't steward them rightly and the money ends up controlling us and, and we can't get a handle on it. We don't get to enjoy it. Why? Because it's enjoying us. Things. All those things. They're not bad. How we use them makes them bad. How we steward them. Again, 1 Timothy 6, 17. God, it says God richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. That, that was the, the opposite. That was the counter to what Paul is dealing with here of, of people who forbid marriage and abstain from certain foods. And, and in 1 Timothy 4, 4, listen, everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with gratitude. 1 Timothy 4, 4. Everything God created is good. Nothing is to be rejected if it is received with gratitude. As a believer, we can rightly enjoy all of life under the Lordship of Christ, including a good meal, 
the beauty of God's creation, sexual relationships within the confines of marriage, again, if we do them with gratitude, yielding to the Lord's lordship. And, and these false teachers are coming in and saying, no, well, you know, you can't really, we sin, and you can't really do that, so let's just heap a bunch of rules on you, and, and we'll outwardly conform. And he's saying those are powerless, powerless to defeat sin. And, and it doesn't, again, doing it in the flesh, Matthew 15, 8, Mark 7, 7, he says, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching the doctrines of men. We can come here in the flesh and do all these things, and it be vanity if we're doing it to, to, to merit favor with God or we're doing it in the power of the flesh. That's, that's, the, that's the real, I mean, you're, you're missing it. Vanity. And, and we end up setting aside real things, real commandments for our traditions. And that's exactly what he says in Mark 7, 9. You nicely set aside the commandment of God in order to keep your tradition. You're missing out on enjoying what God has told you to enjoy and called you to enjoy just to honor your flesh and your traditions. And they lack real power to defeat sin. Man couldn't keep the Sabbath. The Pharisees said, hey, I'll, I'll help you out. Let's put all these rules in place. How many steps you can take, how, much, how many plants you can move, how many letters you can write, all these things. And it looked outwardly, it looked outwardly okay, but it, was, it missed the heart. The problem is you can do all that outwardly, but you never conquer, you never deal with sin and the desire to sin. You never deal with that through laws. And my, my sin nature comes in contact with God's holy law, and the result in and of itself is not godliness, it's arousal of my sinful desires that leads to more sin. That's Romans 7. And yet in Christ, who fulfilled the righteous demands of the law and had died to the law to release us from its, from its jurisdiction or its power, we don't have to live under sin. We don't have to. Galatians 2.19, listen to what, he, look at what Paul writes here. For through the law I died to the law, listen, so that I might live to God. Not to self, not to go back and live to the pleasure of this world, not to live unbounded by anything. He freed us to be joined to another, namely himself. Again, we saw this in Colossians 1, 13 and 14. From, he rescued us from the domain of darkness and didn't just let us go. He transferred us into his kingdom. Live according to that kingdom and he empowers you to live according to that kingdom. You've died to the law so that you would live to God. And that's what he's saying here. You've died with Christ to the elementary principles of the world. Why, as if you were living the world, do you submit to them? Why do you do that? And you, you don't approach God through a rules-based effort. It's through Christ. Galatians chapter 4. So we also, while we were children, were held in bondage under the elemental things of the world. But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that He might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. You see the transfer? Go down to verse 9. But now that you have come to know God, or rather be known by God, how is it that you turn back again to the weak and worthless elemental things to which you desire to be enslaved all over again? Why? Because it's easy. It's easy. It's easy to just follow a bunch of external rules. It's hard, the, hard, the, the spirit-driven stuff is the real stuff that God cares about. And verse 23, listen, verse 23 is the ultimate problem with laws, external laws, extra-biblical laws. These are matters which have, to be sure, the appearance of wisdom in self-made religion, self-abasement, and severe treatment of the body, but are of no, here's the point, but are of no value against fleshly indulgence. They do not deal with sin. They don't, deal with, they don't deal with your desire for sin. It's all flesh. And, and Paul reveals here some flaws that you see on your handout. The fill-in there is flaws. 
in man-made rules. And, and I want to expose some of those flaws. Number one, man-made rules deal with externals only and not the true source of our sin. You see it in verse 21. Do not handle, do not touch, do not taste. You can see how, and even, even when Satan approached Eve, you can see how there was a rule and then he took it even further. Don't even touch it. That's not what he said. See, so in order to help, it's like, we don't want you to eat it. We don't want you to taste it. So let's just make a rule that says, don't even touch it. Don't even think about it. How's that working? Not good. And if you follow their rules, pretty soon you can't even touch forbidden foods, let alone eat them. They're externals. B, man-made rules are sourced in the world of mankind, not in the principles of God and His Word. These are matters to be sure. They're in self-made religion, self-abasement. It's all about self. And what happens if we're honest, if we're honest, when we live this way, we pick and choose the rules that we are good at obeying and we neglect the ones that we're not good at obeying. Agreed? Let's be honest. We're real good at emphasizing the things that we don't want to do anyway or that we don't have a problem obeying. And we're real good at the other side of neglecting to make a big deal of the ones we struggle with. It's our nature. Because, again, self, pride. We're real good at uh, making a big deal about the things that, look, I don't, I don't want to do that anyway. So let's say it's a rule. Okay? But see, they, they appear to lead to godness, but only feed pride and self-indulgence. Again, he says they have the appearance of wisdom. But again, they're no value against fleshly indulgence. All this does, all the rules do is feed the flesh. All they do is feed the flesh. We become proud about what we can do in our flesh. And if you were to read in Matthew chapter 5, that's where you see time and time again, he says, you have heard it said, but I say. You have heard it said, but I said. Verses 21 and 22. You have heard the ancients were told, do not commit adultery, and whoever commits adultery shall be liable to the court. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court, and whoever says to his brother, you are good for nothing, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court, and whoever says, you fool, shall be guilty enough into the fiery hell. Look at verse 27 and 8. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust in her heart has already committed adultery. Look at verse 31. You have heard it said, whoever sends his wife away, let him give a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife except for the reason of unchastity makes her commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Go to 33. You have heard it said, you shall not make false vows, but shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. But I say to you, make no oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is a footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the king. You, you go to 38 and 39, you've heard that it's said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say, do not resist an evil person. Whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other also. I, I, 40, and 41 is kind of the, the it, it's a beautiful picture of that. Whoever forces you to go one mile, go with him too. The law said go one mile. You know what Jesus is saying? No, go two. The law says this, and they would be satisfied with just that. And he says, no, no, go two. Why? Because going two, your flesh don't want to do one or two. But you can, you can deal with the one, but go two. Go to 43. You've heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Here's the contrast. What Jesus says is, you have heard that it said, obey in the flesh. But Jesus said it goes deeper than the flesh to the heart. It's not just about murder. He said, I'm going to go to the source of murder. You know why the person murders somebody? Because they didn't deal with their anger. He says, you guys, are, you guys are content not sleeping with another woman. I'm going to tell you that just lusting after a woman in your heart is adultery. Why? Because the person who doesn't check his lust, you know what he ends up doing? Sleeping with the woman. You, you, outwardly, we would be content in not stealing, and yet we would be okay coveting. But you know what coveting does when it goes unchecked? It leads to stealing. We, 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 we're very good at only dealing with the externals and never the heart that leads to the externals. This is what he says in Matthew 15. For nothing that goes into a mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of a man's mouth defiles himself. Why? Because it comes from the heart. 
He goes on to say, for out of the heart comes adulteries and murders and, and all these things. The heart is the issue. That's why in Jeremiah 31, 31, Ezekiel 36, 26, he says, I will, I will circumcise your heart. I will put your spirit, my spirit in you and I will cause you to walk in the ways. Why? Because you can't do it on your own. We, 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 we need him. And if we don't deal with this, we become like the Pharisee in Luke 18, 11 that says, God, I thank you that I'm not other like other people, swindlers and unjust and adulterers, even like the tax collector. I fast twice a week. I pay a tithe on all that. I'm so grateful I'm not like them. But you are like them in your heart. You're no better than them. And we can take good things and we can become real proud of ourselves for doing them. And, and as believers, you see it on your handout, we've got to recognize that man-made rules and regulations and traditions have no real power to change our heart. No real power. And at the heart of everything, again, that's what Paul is getting at and why he's pointing out the flaws here. They have no power to deal with the flesh. And at the heart of what Paul says, you see it on your handout, you can do everything right externally and not really love God. You can eat certain food, you cannot eat certain food. You can eat certain, drink certain drink or abstain from certain drink. You can do this celebration or not do that. You can do all that and yet not love God. And those have the appearance of wisdom, but again, they're void of power. They look good from the outside, but they're void. Right goal, wrong means. And again, multiple times he says they are according to man-made wisdom. They are teachings of men. And in that, they are inferior. External, you see it on your handout, man-made rules are incapable of changing our hearts and putting away sin and are thus inferior to the work of Christ. The issue is our heart. And rules will never capture and change our heart. And, and that's exactly what Paul says later on in Romans 6. But thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became, listen to this, obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed. They wanted to obey. They wanted to glorify God. They didn't have to glorify God. They wanted to. They didn't have to not do it. They wanted to. And listen, rules can keep you from going certain places or committing adultery, but they can't keep you from doing stuff in your mind. Rules can keep you from robbing a bank, but they can't keep you from coveting in your heart. Rules can keep you from murdering maybe externally, but they can't keep you from living a life of anger and hatred towards your brother or your sister. But this word can change your heart to where you don't want to commit adultery, even the thought of it, to where you don't even want to be jealous of your brother because of where it could lead, to where you now, not only that, you want what's best for your brother. Not only do you want what, you no longer want what he has, you want what's best for him. And only the Word of God has that power. Only Christ in us, the hope of glory, has that power. Only the Word of God, richly dwelling in us, has that power. And the, the great deception for all of us is what we see in 2 Timothy 3, verses 1-5. through 5. And listen to this. But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. Men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Listen, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. I pray that we would not be a people that settle for an external form of godliness and deny its real power. Difficult times, he's saying it's coming. Don't settle. Christianity is not a matter of external ritual. It is a matter of internal relationship with Christ. 
And from our love of the Lord, listen, everything else flows from a love of the Lord. It is choosing to prefer one thing over the other. In our, in our pursuit and love for and, and allegiance to Christ, we deny anything that would not glorify Him. Why? Because He's our treasure. And it's the story of Matthew 13. He'll be like a, he's like a man who found a treasure in a field. What did he do? He went and sold everything to buy that field. Why? Because he had found something greater that was worth losing everything else for. And what he was preoccupied with what he had in that field, and so he set aside everything else. And it's interesting, in that passage, it says, with joy, with joy, he sold everything he had. And I'm not saying sell everything you have. That's not what he's saying. Do not hear me saying that. I'm saying, I pray that we would be a people whose joy it is in serving the Lord. Not a burden. Who are so excited and in love and enamored that Christ has saved us, that whatever he calls us to is a joy in honor of our King. In honor of our King. That, that we would labor to know what God has done for us through Christ. That we would labor to understand His love for us. That, that Christ would be preferable to all other things. And, and that's how you defeat sin. By loving somebody more than our sin. By loving God more than our sin. By being preoccupied with God more than our sin. And that's only done through the power of the Spirit working in us. And we'll get to that. That's what Paul will say in Colossians 3.1. You have been raised up with Christ. Keep seeking the things above where Christ is. Set your mind on things above, not on the things that are earth. You have died and your life is hidden with Christ. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality and purity. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come. But now, put them aside. preoccupied with Christ. Not rules. Christ. Love God. Love your neighbor. 